Hello. Hello. All good? All good. Aaron Murphy. First app. First app. How are we feeling? Yeah, good. Good. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Looking forward to it. You? Like, yeah, likewise. I think, uh, I think there's, um, to be honest, I'm genuinely interested in the insight and the opinions you're going to bring to the table, not just about your own club, but just to get your honest perspective on Spurs when we strip a bit of the banter and the ganging up um, out of it. So I'm quite interested. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, likewise, mate. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting, I think. I'm excited. So where to start? Well, um, picking up where we left off. So last year for Arsenal was, let's, let's be honest, um, a mega season. You looked pretty awesome for most of the season. Um how do you feel sort of overall looking back at, at last season and uh yeah, when you look ahead to this year, hopes must be pretty high. Absolutely. Um last year I've basically just fell back in love with, with my football club. Um that was one of the most exciting seasons I've ever known as an Arsenal fan. Um and I, I think obviously going toe to toe with Man City for for so so long in the season, at the end, massive disappointment. But the growth and the progress um, at every level in the club, not just what was produced on the pitch, but uh, you know, in terms of the that unity with the fans, and also um, just the stability amongst the club and the belief. It's just like this one huge family, um, and it was incredible. And in in complete contrast to what was happening locally. You know, it, it, from what it seems. So, how about you, the Spurs? Yes, <laughs> massive struggles. Um, Conte left midway. Um, yeah, very inconsistent season. Um, some great results, some poor results. Your perspective, what you're saying? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, to be honest, overall. Less I recall about last season, the better. It was just a horrendous <laughs> season. I think the way we'd ended the season before, obviously pipping you guys to the Champions League spot and generally just going, looking really, really good. I think everyone expected us to kick on mm. um, last year. And we made our best ever start to a Premier League season after 10 games. We were in a really good spot. And then things just went sour very, very, very quickly. Um and it's interesting what you say about feeling connected to your club last year. And it really is something that I think a lot of Spurs fans are envious of because that connection was totally lost with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching Arsenal was like a reminder of how it was for us under Pochettino in those sort of great years, even though we didn't win anything. It was, it was just everyone, right? From fans to players to absolutely everyone was just pulling in the same direction. And I I feel like with Arsenal now, you get a sense that you are all pulling in the right direction. And, and honestly, you terrify me a little bit <laughs> this season. And for us now, it's about how do we rediscover a bit of your identity and what made us sort of exciting to watch a few years back under Pochettino? Yeah, I, I, I can completely um, understand that feeling that you had of or you have of envy of us at the moment, because I had the exact same feeling under Pochettino during your Champions League run. And, you know, the seasons where you were just just firing and, you know, players like Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Son, just 
absolutely at their, you know, the top of their powers, peak of their powers. And I was completely envious at those times. So I completely understand how you must be feeling and how many Spurs fans will be feeling as, because our clubs, whether we like it or not, are just in linked in so many ways. And, um, you know, we have to deal with those emotions and we do kind of look down the road and go, oh, how are they feeling about how we're doing? And it, and it works both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, do you know what really bugs me? And I mean, I think Spurs under Pochettino, I think we had a lot of likeable players, maybe bar people like Deli Ali, who I can see if you didn't, if you weren't connected to Spurs, he would, you might find him irritating. But there weren't many, like you had the likes of Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and Lloris, Dembele, Kate, like the likeable players playing in the right mm. way. And last year, the way I was trying to give myself therapy, to be honest, with regards to Arsenal's quality, was trying to find a hole in the team and just isolate players that I don't like. But <laughs> what's really, really annoying is you've got a lot of likeable players, like Saka. You can't really not like him. He's just a great kid, right? Absolutely. Starboy. And just a great human being. What a role model to young young men and women you know young men and boys around the, and girls around the world to see such a player with such resilience after the euros um and just the, he's just so humble and just just such a such an such an example to everyone else yeah and there's many like that in the team they are you're you're spot on they are a very likable team um i think granite Xhaka might be the exception to that <laughs> for many people but he's Obviously, he said his goodbyes uh, today, yesterday, I think. So, yeah, an interesting point. You know, if if I had to nitpick, and I'm going to say two things that irritate me about a couple of players, because I have to, I'm a Spurs fan. There's two, <laughs> there's two things. One of them is very, very minor. Yeah. Um, one, I think if I had to pick your most annoying player, I'd say it's Gabriel, the defender. It's Gabriel. Really? Yeah. He's one of these yeah. niggly guys. He likes confrontation. He's, he's yeah. quite happy to, you know, square up. But, you know, it's not too bad. And then the other one, and this is so minor, but I just want to find a hole in him because he's so good, is Odegaard needs to smile more. He's a bit miserable looking. <laughs> the thing is, when he smiles, he loses his top lip. So it's just these lovely, straight Norwegian white teeth. They're superb. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. But he, again, I, I think this is part of this whole culture that um, uh, Arteta at the forefront is trying to create he wants good professional not even good he wants elite professionals that are completely and utterly committed and and do the right things on and off the pitch and those that don't follow that kind of mold are no longer at the club you know and or, or won't be at the club much longer and I think you know if you look at someone like Emil Smith Rowe who I adore watching him play. He's such a good talent and he's really shown that in the Euro under-21s recently. Um, There's things that obviously we're speculating, but there there could be things that aren't quite right on that personal and professional side. And I think he challenges people in that way. And when you you get that, you you produce players like Odegaard. I think Odegaard was arguably, um, without Haaland being in the... uh, in the form, the goal-scoring form that he had last year. Um, and, and I suppose Kevin De Bruyne would push him quite far as well in terms of assists and his important goals in big games. Odegaard probably could have been player of the year. Like, he was he was incredible for a large percentage of the season. Um, 
but yeah, I get that. I get that point. I, I thought you were going to say Ben White. I think <laughs> people have um, have issues with him. I don't know why, but for me, I find him hilarious. He's got some great little um, like kind of shit moments. They're very funny. Like he's 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 a uh, he's one of those characters. Um, he definitely knows how to wind people up, but he's got that kind of um, well-behaved, cheeky kid look still. Um, that I think he gets away with a lot. So that's interesting, yeah. Because Ben White, I hadn't really thought of Ben White, but he mm. he has this look of a player that doesn't really look almost interested, but he's just really good and really solid, and actually has a bit of quality as well. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, yeah, it's a good point what you make about Arteta and the squad he's built and all pulling in the same direction, obviously. I mean, I don't really know the details of what happened with the way Aubameyang left, but that seems mm. to send a big message out. And, you know, it's funny because like the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary on Amazon, I watched a little bit of it. It was quite painful to watch all of it, but... Um, <laughs> There was a few bits with Arteta at that point. I remember the team talk where he spoke about the light bulb and there's a few other bits he came out with. And I thought, well, I get it, but some players might not take to that or they might find mm. it a bit cringeworthy or a bit weird. But actually what's happened is it looks like he's just, everyone has connected to it and maybe it's him. Maybe he's got a way about him that he can just lead people and bring them together. Yeah, it could well be. I think... He, those kind of things. I I watch those and I know he. I was watching him thinking, gosh, he could get hammered for this. This is like meme and gif material straight away. And but I I love the, the fact that he's taking, you know, a risk and is trying something different. You know, he could just, you know, give you know words and things like that. But he's trying something different with with these players to engage them and to try and motivate them as much as possible. And um, you know. If you, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, that's where you really, that, that deeper learning takes place. And I think he'll learn about himself as a leader in those moments. And I also think as a professional player, if you're seeing that your manager is really trying to, you know, improve himself and is completely bought in for you as a team and your club, then, you know, I think that's much more likely to bring you success than if you just, you know, roll out the same kind of material each week as it were um so yeah it's interesting he's yeah i think i I read a, i think i read a quote recently from danny murphy talking about he bumped into declan rice or something and was yeah saying how buzzing he was to be joining the club and how impressed and how much it was on um arteta to be you know having that influence and selling the project as it were so yeah i think he's um I think he's growing massively as a manager, um, you know, and further down the line, we're going to have to, you know, look at contracts for him mm-hmm. and keep him at, keeping him at the club. But um, yeah, he's been, he's been superb after very, very tough challenges over a number of years through COVID and um, you know, taking, taking the reins after Emery where the club was at at that time in terms of the fans. Um, it was at the lowest, one of the lowest points I, I've known it anyway. Um, yeah, he's done an incredible job. That's interesting because I suppose that because I remember those times when it looked pretty bleak in those first those first couple of years. Um, mm. So maybe the board and the and the uh, director of football and the CEO they deserve a lot of credit because they obviously saw something in him that they felt was worth sticking with, and obviously that seems to have um, 
yeah, pay, paid off. And and the other thing as well is he's come a long way. When you think about all the comments from people when he left City and, you know, he was he was called all sorts of names. Pep's number two. He's just the guy that puts the cones down. Yeah. And there was a lot of banter flying around. But actually, yeah. now you look at it and you think he must have learned a lot under Pep Guardiola, right? Yeah. I mean, Man City, in terms of an organisation, whether you agree with how they've gone about it or not, in terms of finances and sports washing, that kind of narrative, there's no denying that that is a an extremely slick and well-run organisation um, from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, him being part of that, that elite level of management and players and board level as well, you know, he, like you said, he must have learned so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's massive. It's fascinating because the other thing I keep coming back to, and this is my segue into Spurs a little bit as well, is when I think of Pep, it's about how he's built a culture at Man City. And you start, like you said earlier, you start to see that emerging now at Arsenal. And obviously it's a club-wide thing, but you see it sort of filtering through Arteta as as well. And actually, it takes me back to Spurs. And I keep mentioning Pochettino, but Mm. that's really the last bit of... That's the last time we as Spurs fans had excitement, had fun, and we could really feel there was a culture and there was a, a willingness to, you know, play in, a, in the right way, the Spurs way. And I think that's what's disappointed so many of us in the last two, three years, where we've just completely reverted from the values that, you know, winning or otherwise or losing or whatever, you can accept defeat and not winning trophies as we've had to for years. But what you can't accept is kind of drifting away from the values that make the club what they are. Yeah, I think closely linked to that is the, the the two appointments, wasn't it, of you know Mourinho and Conte in particular, being um, a lot more pragmatic and a lot more um, willing to be defensive, and you know in terms of the building from there to get their results and not being this like flamboyant attacking, um, you know Arsene Wenger like team, you know that's just gung ho and goes for it and we'll we'll score more than you that kind of approach. But um, yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because with your most recent appointment, it'll be really intriguing to see um, what Postacoglu, you know, what kind of approach he goes for. Because to be honest, I don't know, you know, I'm not a big fan of Scottish football. Um, I don't know too much. Of, I know he had good success there, but I don't know the, the type of football that he played. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite intrigued to see... Um, you know, and he's quite an impressive man as well. He he seems very um, he's got the kind of Martin Yole vibes to him, the kind of father figure and someone you would have messed with. You know, I can I remember Wenger and uh, Yole having a bit of a head to head and a bit of a shove a touchline years ago. I could see he's probably got that 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 kind of um battle about him as well. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting appointment, really interesting appointment. Yeah. Um, and I, I do wonder if how you know it's intriguing to see his um, how his approach will be, and will he get back to those values that you spoke about of you know that more attacking, more entertaining football that because you definitely have the players to to play that way. You know, it's interesting you say that because one of the first things he said in his interview since joining the club was he'd always rather play for a four-three win than a one-nil win. He's all about scoring goals, being expansive, attacking, possession-based. Um, there's an element of 
you know, the Guardiola Arteta sort of stylistics to the way he approaches management, which is exciting. And yeah, the fact that he definitely has that sort of dad vibe about him is great. And um, yeah, it's interesting because I think guys like Arteta, like Postacoglu, like Klopp, it's almost um, like they thrive in environments where they have a lot of young players and then just a sprinkling of experience as like mm-hmm. they're the leaders to sort of almost take on the message and just infiltrate that. Because I think young people really listen and, and will sort of listen to these managers they respect and take sort of what they say at, at face value and go and implement it. Because mm. and just feel be filled with confidence again because it must be really debilitating to play under Mourinho and Conte back to back when you, you've been used to playing in an expansive way under Pochettino and then suddenly you've got these managers who are have been elite over a long period of time but they're actually saying we're not good enough on the ball, sit behind, be really defensive and then just try and hit on the counter-attack. As a player, that must really hit your confidence. So, I think we do have a lot of talented players. The, the big job now for Postacoglu is how he gels everyone together. There is a lot of deadwood in the squad that needs changing. So, transfer window, which I know we're going to speak about, is, is yeah. huge for us. And then, really, the next, the big question is how long will it take for the players to understand his style of attacking football and having played three years of pretty defensive, dull football, how long it takes mm. them to adapt to a whole new approach. Yeah. I mean, you, like you said, you've got it. I think with that type of football, you have to, um, that, that counter attack it. And you, you, I, I would, I would only expect my team or any team that I played in or a team that I was managing anything like that. I would, I would do that for a team that I believe to be, um, superior in terms of their technique and their approach. So, if not, I'd want to go toe to toe with them and say, right, we're, we're going to outplay you today. You know, I wouldn't want, uh, you know, to say, uh, you guys have the ball and we'll just hit you on the counter attack. Even though I do think some of your players that does lend lend itself quite well. I remember uh, a Mourinho North London derby with Son. Um, scoring on the break and it was just this constant threat I think it was the one where Holding got sent off like pretty early on yeah um, and uh, it you you can see the thinking behind it in terms of it could be very effective and it has been but um, I think if you're going to if you want that ultimate success I think like you like we said at the beginning creating that culture and peop- uh, a club's values and having that on board is more important and eventually will lead to more success. Yeah, no, it, it's really interesting. And yeah, like you say, it's just, I mean, just imagine, let's think about it, right? You've played loads of football to a you know, pretty high level as well. How would you feel if you've got a manager that is, you know, giving you confidence, asking you to get on the ball, express yourself, go at players, pop it around versus actually keep your structure, stay defensive, get all the men behind the ball and then we hit them with a quick pass. Like, it's not going to mm-hmm. fill you with that excitement, is it? No, I, I think for the vast majority of players, they, they want to get on the ball and play and dominate and, you know, be the possession team and um, be attacking and uh, expressive in the way they play. Um, I think there is a small people who know, kind of, you know, they're quite self-aware and they think, oh, maybe I'm not so good at that, I'm a bit of a... You know, more, I'm more of an athlete, a runner. I break up play, give it to better players. Um, so I think there is a there is some players that you know lend themselves better to that and are, are willing to do it because um, they're, they're more self. They're, they might be self aware that that's their strength, but um, I think the vast majority of people want to get on the ball and want to play. That that's why we all love it, right? We don't 
with no one goes and comes home from a football match or watch the football match and say, do you know what that guy today, he, I, he, you know, or I, I got back from a match and I was like, oh, I ran so much today and I broke up place so much. It was great. You know, it was all about your, your diagonal passes or your, um, your set pieces or your strikes or goal, the goals you got, the assists you made, that kind of thing. You know, that's what we love about the game, isn't it? More so than the, the defensive things, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's also yeah. just, um, yeah, like I say, it's a philosophy. It's, uh, it's the beautiful game, you know, people, it's not mm. called the beautiful game for, you know, breaking up play and, <laughs> and just sitting back. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, just going back to it as well, in terms of, I mentioned <clears throat> how well Spurs had finished two seasons ago and obviously we picked you to the top four spot and then how things just unravelled for us so quickly last season. Mm. I mean, looking to Arsenal, I really do not get any sense of you slowing down. I mean, I'd be interested to think to, to hear your views on just what realistic objectives might actually look like for you this season. Um, I mean, make, as amazing as last season was, I think you have to be realistic and say that was a massive overachievement and no one at the club would have expected a title challenge like that. Um, so much so that the majority of the season we were asking the question, are we in a title challenge? Wait till this date, wait till this match and wait till you play. You know, there was these constant kind of milestones that we needed to get to as a club before people would take us seriously. And, um, and then eventually they did. And then it kind of just almost... You know, subconsciously, everyone's like, right, they they are in a... No one wanted to kind of say it, you know, don't don't say it, we're in a title run. And um, so I think I think we overachieved last year. Um, however, I think what we've... What, what we're doing in the market is is incredible at the moment and, and incredibly exciting as well. Um, so for me, I would, I would love another title challenge because if we can do it with the squad that we had last year... And, you know, we, we, we improved that this summer, which it looks like we're very much under the way of improving it quite significantly. I would, the minimum I would expect would be that top four. Um, and we should be pushing City as, as far as possible. Um, and just establishing ourselves with a, a decent run in the Champions League because we've been out of it for a very, very long time. And um, so success in that would be, you know, getting, you know, a good quarterfinal, you know, that kind of distance would be and, and top four, but as a as a minimum, but you know, another title challenge, why not? You have to be optimistic. And I know from the, the vibes you get from the club that that's um that you know they really the trajectory is is let's go for everything. So yeah, that's that's where I stand. And yourself, Spurs? Yeah well Obviously, firstly, deeply disappointed by what you just said because I was hoping that you'd say the wheels are going to come off and actually <laughs> negatives. Um, just, I mean, just before I touch on Spurs, the other thing yeah. I'd say is it's interesting because Man City now, having just won a treble and have won the league so many times, like there's a question definitely of their level of motivation. I mean, even last season, they did not look great. Um, I think maybe they, I think they beat you at the Emirates, and that felt like a bit of a turning point. I remember Guardiola speaking in the interview, and he was really sort of putting a challenge out to his players to say, "Come mm. on, it's time to step up." So I'm interested to see how City come out of the blocks or not next season, because it's kind of inevitable that you might have a bit of a drop off if you've just won the treble and you're just so used to winning league. So maybe there is an opportunity for you to sneak in. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, for Spurs, sadly, um, really in a, a different position. We're kind of at the start of another rebuild, and I think ultimately for us, it's very difficult to even set a tangible objectives in terms of league position. What we need to do is just get back to the values of the club, start playing the game in the right way, getting on the front foot, um, and just enjoying watching the team again because it's been such a drain for so long. I mean, how Harry Kane scored 30-odd goals last season is is beyond me. I mean, for me, that's his most impressive season on record, even beating, I think it might have been 2017 when he sort of was the top European goal scorer you know, even beating the likes of Messi in a calendar season. That was ridiculous. But mm. in the circumstances, what he did last year, I think, was pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, he, he's elite. I, I, I watched him last season away at Crystal Palace and he's just a class above his teammates and can just, you know, just make things happen instantly. And I completely agree. I'd, I, I, he's To score that amount of goals in that team, was was quite scary to be honest with you. And if you think, if you you know, if he went to a a Bayern Munich or a you know a City, he scores as if not as many if not more goals than Erling Haaland, I think, because he is he is top top. You know, he's a he's a world class elite striker, and you're very fortunate to have him as well. Yeah, it's yeah. almost um, that. That's the. Uh... I could talk about Kane on a whole separate podcast, but to be honest, yeah. the issue with that I have with Kane is, you know, the lack of success the club has had while having such a, an elite player is, unfortunately, the blame for me has to lie with the board a little bit. And, they, you know, to have that level of player and not truly build around him in the way mm-hmm. they could have done, I think that's where the, the, the blame lies. I mean, even touching on transfer market, actually, um, Obviously, we've signed James Madison, who just has the look of a Spurs player. He's a really exciting player. If he, if he can stay fit, he's someone that I think will get sort of bums off seats in the stadium, which is good. I'm excited about him. And the other thing which a lot of Spurs fans feel is just the mismanagement of Yves Bissouma over the last year, because he is quality. And obviously, he broke his ankle last season, but Conte just did not fancy him for whatever reason. But I think a lot of Spurs fans are really excited to see him, you know, really be our top top guy in midfield this season. So I think, you know, him at Brighton, I mean, you speak to the Brighton fans, I've got a few friends, they just say, even of all the talent they've got now, he is by far the best player that they've had. Mm. Um, so I'm excited to see him. And under Postacoglu, if we can play the right way and get a couple of centre-halves in, which is absolutely critical because our defence was absolutely the weak point last season. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason to say we could, you know, click into gear and look quite good quite soon. But again, it's just a bit of a waiting game. So I think as far as tangible objectives, realistically, a European spot would be great, um, although I'm not sort of hanging my hat on it. And just a run in the cup um, is probably our best bet next year, sadly. Which cup? I significantly mean, different cups. <laughs> yeah, well, there's only two, well, three. That's what the league's not going to happen. But we're not in Europe for the first time in a long time, so I'd have to say FA Cup um, yeah. would be would be the one. But the, the other thing is, it's genu- generally or genuinely quite interesting to see how we do in a season without Europe because we've become so used to European football in the last sort of eight seasons that I think it might actually work to our advantage in terms of understanding the manager and getting to grips with what he's trying to do quicker. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. That, that's an interesting um, 
uh, what's the, the similarity with Arsenal season where they they had a, a season where there was no Europe and they could actually just focus on, you know, the the whole narrative was he'll have more time on the training ground to really get this their style of play sorted and what how, how you know players learning their their roles and their positions where they should be and and all of these kind of things that it would lend itself well and the, the reference point was always Chelsea their year out of the Champions League. Um, where they then won the league, and I think that was I think that was under Conte, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, that that could that could prove really helpful when you're trying to establish to have that 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 time to actually get your get your points across and get your coaching um, methods established, your style of play, players being you know trained and coached into that that into those that those models will be could be really really helpful. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting point and one I hadn't thought too much of. Yeah, that could that could be a good um, bonus for you. Yeah, I think as well with, with the other context of West Ham being in Europe, so in Europa Leagues, they'll be playing Thursday, Sundays. Brighton yeah. obviously looks so good now being in Europe. They'll be playing Thursday, Sundays. Mm. You know, I think did Villa. I think Villa would have qualified. I think maybe Europa Conference League as well. So they'll be playing European football. These are teams that you know, are all improving really, really rapidly. Um, yeah. and are a genuine threat for Europe again next season. But perhaps the saving grace for us is that these teams aren't used to that Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday sort of style of playing. So maybe mm-hmm. that's that's something we have to hang our hat on. But I mean, yeah, I, I think I almost don't want to ask this question, but just to sort of maybe bring this this pod to an end, just to kick, kick start... Um, a, the start of the pod, but also looking ahead to next season. Yeah. Quick prediction in terms of who's going to finish higher, Spurs or Arsenal? Um, We've kind of answered it to some point. We have, yeah, <laughs> to some way. But I, I just, just based on where you, where you finished, um, new manager and the kind of, that lack of unity across the club, the uncertainty around Harry Kane, is he going to Bayern or elsewhere? I, I, I would be foolish to not think that we'll finish above you. I think some Totteringham's day will, will happen <laughs> once again this year or, or next year. Yeah. Uh, come on. In our defence, <laughs> it's been a while since you've had one. Well, by last season, it's been a while since one of those days, right? It has. Yeah, yeah. It's been <laughs> a few years. Too many years. Yeah. And it's very difficult. I can't disagree with you. I think it's as close to a certainty as possible, in my opinion, that Arsenal will finish above Spurs. The only saving grace and hope for Spurs fans is we can accept that so long as you don't win definitely not the Champions League but the league, <laughs> just the cup in general we can accept you finishing above us but try not to win anything a bit like last yeah. season that would be a, a Brucey bonus for us yeah I mean Arsenal in Europe in my lifetime has not been that has been our you know we've just never been able to get over the line 2006 Europa League finals they've been terrible so I don't think there's any any concern there I think we're a long way off of that so yeah well, I think we're aligned there I think we're both realistic and aligned on those predictions. Yeah, no, and I think just to, I'm just going to finish with one little quip. But you mentioned the Champions League final that you got to, and obviously didn't win. Um, yeah. But I think it was Barcelona. You went down to ten men. But honestly, as a Spurs fan, when you went one nil up with a Sol Campbell header, I was, <laughs> I mean, just to let you know, what I was, I was young, but I knew yeah. that if you'd gone on to win that, 
I think that might have been a sign that football is just not the right sport for me. Had that happened, <laughs> that would have just been, yeah, I couldn't have tolerated that. So. Oh, gosh. There's talk um, at the moment of, well, in fact, I think on Thursday, the 6th of August, um, Arsenal are going to unveil a statue outside the Emirates of Arsene Wenger. And um, I think I saw a few Twitter threads about suggestions of what the statue should be. And I did think, could it be the day that he unveiled Sol Campbell in the press <laughs> conference when no one knew it was happening? They thought we were signing, he was unveiling Richard Wright and he just <laughs> nicked Spurs' best player from down the road on a free transfer. Outrageous behaviour. Um, so, yeah, I did. Uh, I think I suggested that one as. Uh, as the, the the statue that they should reveal, just him and, and the big soul man. So big soul man. Well, do you know what? Just, because I know there's a lot of comments around why do Spurs fans still to this day feel such hatred for Sol Campbell? And I'll give you a personal snippet. Two weeks before he signed for Arsenal, I was lucky enough to go down with my dad and my brother to the old Spurs Lodge training ground and get to watch the team train. Um, and at the time, it was George Graham was the manager, and through a family friend connection, they managed to get us to get us in and as the players came off the pitch my dad shouted to Campbell he said Sol Sol you're not going are you and he touched his he touched the hand to the badge and he went I'm Spurs I'm Spurs and then two weeks later he was being uh, paraded as an Arsenal signing so uh, there's definitely yeah yeah. he was our captain and uh, he went on to win and he did well but just to give you an insight as to why there is maybe such hatred towards him still to this day I get it, and I can corroborate that story having spoken to your dad himself who told me <laughs> the same thing, and I could see the hatred in his eyes <laughs> even to this day, and I do not blame him at all. That is, <laughs> that's outrageous behaviour. And an interesting point, a lot, many Gooners won't know that, um, or don't know that George Graham then actually became manager of Spurs, and they, they kind of that kind of goes under the radar a bit, actually. Well, it's funny you say that. As you say that, it's now getting me thinking, actually, was he a bit of a... Uh... What, was he playing an undercover role? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could have been. Um, was it, There's something online that they, they're called now, isn't it? Uh, you know, agent, you know, when the manager leaves and then like, three years later, another player signs for the club who he speaks about and they're like, oh, Agent Wenger. <laughs> and again, it might have been Agent George before yeah, we even knew about agents. So, yeah. yeah. Very, very possible. But, um, mm. uh, yeah, sad times there. But there we go. We're both still without a Champions League trophy. But I'm sure... That day will come, hopefully. Uh, that's that's really the last thing that Spurs could get over Arsenal was pipping you to a Champions League trophy before you get it, really. I I, I know you went to Madrid um, and and watched that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's why you we, you didn't compete in a triathlon with us, wasn't it? I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Which is quite, if ever there were a reason. Um, yeah, I, I cannot deny how delighted I was to um, to know that. It just it just seemed like it was written in the stars for you guys. I remember Mora scoring late on, that uh, incredible, incredible. I think that was the semi-finals, was it? Yeah, against yeah, the yeah, yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, I would have been, I would have been so gutted if you guys had won that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be, but we still had that night in Amsterdam. But there we go. Um, hopefully, lots of exciting nights to come next season. But yeah, I've. Uh, 35 minutes, that's not bad for a little uh, first introduction to the pod. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. I enjoyed it too. And it was, a, it was uh, yeah, um, more sophisticated and not, not too much banter. 
we can certainly ramp that up if you're if you're up for it. I'm, yeah. I've got plenty in, in store. <laughs> no, I, I think um, I, I, I like the tone. I think the tone is what we what we need. Brilliant. Well, uh, yeah, mate, it's been it's been fine. And uh, on to next week. I'm sure we haven't even touched on the transfer market too much. I'm sure that'll be a big topic for for next week. Look forward to it. Absolutely. Likewise. Cheers, Andy. See you again, man. See you, mate. Bye, bye. Sure.